Welcome back to another episode of the Next Up Podcast. In this episode, I had a chance to catch up with my friend, Scott Rotano, principal of Rotano Design Group based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. We spoke about how Rotano went from being a manufacturer's rep to a client advocate, how Rotano Design Group helps districts and food service directors understand that they have a voice that needs to be heard, and the differences we're seeing with Gen Z and Gen Alpha in relation to their eating habits. Listen into this episode to find out more. Scott Rotano, this has been a long time coming, sir. How are you doing? I'm well, brother. How about yourself? I'm doing amazing now that you're here. So for those of you that should know who you are, that may not know who you are, there's probably nobody out there. Who are you? Right. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? Uh, Our firm designs commercial kitchens. I hope to be and are a national leader in the K-12 space in terms of primary education, which follows my passion for kids and wanting to make sure we're doing things right in that world. You say hope to be a national leader, but let's be real. You are a national leader. I see you all over the place. You know, Marlon, we looked at um, the food service design world in general, and there's a lot of great work being done, healthcare, higher ed, workplace dining, and we play in those spaces. Um, But on a national level, it's not even so much about we want to be, oh, this is us and we're a design firm, but who's raising the voice that says, wait a minute, this is how we feed our children. And uh, I had a conversation recently with an architect. I said, look, I don't feel like school food service design gets the respect level that maybe some of the other venues do. And and the answer out of the architect is is sometimes school design in general doesn't get the level of respect that maybe it needs as well. And in my thought process to that, that's a challenge. Like, mm-hmm. let's step that up and not from a, hey, what about us kind of standpoint, but more along the lines of, this is really important. Like how we feed our children, um, man, attendance is geared to what they're eating. Um, attention spans is geared towards what they're eating. Test scores. And, <laughs> test scores, thank you. Let's tie it to the educational model um, because test scores do, like we have the research behind that. Mm-hmm. And so if you start to tie that research with, what's what's valuable for teaching our children to eat healthier? Like how do we entice them to eat healthier? Um, presentation matters. Um, bringing new foods to them earlier matters. Um, so those are some of the things that we really, really hone in on. Don't get me wrong. We live in a world with square footage and budget restrictions, and we get that. So efficient kitchens, we say things like, hey, no dance floors in the kitchen. We're not asking for more space. We're not asking. We want to pay attention to where let's say the rubber meets the road or where where we're serving our children, if you will. What does that look, act, and feel like? Uh, Without changing one menu item, we think we can raise the bar in terms of um, participation, 20, 25%. You know, those are the types of things we want to pay attention to. I I heard some previous folks talking about uh, lunches aren't getting longer, they're getting shorter. The national average is 23 minutes. There's now research out there that says if it's 20 minutes or less, there's 17 to 20% less consumption of food. And it's not like I just ate my favorites and the, across the How board, they're just eating less. 17 to 20% less food is eaten. Because remember, wow. they're shoveling it in because when we say 20 minutes for lunch, we're talking about get there, get through the line, get fed, and get on your way. All in 20 minutes? Uh, nobody's doing it. We're not doing that for lunch. No, definitely not. You know? So those are some of the things that we think the built environment plays into. 
Um, what does it look, act, and feel like? What do those venues look like? Um, we've had, you and I have a common friend, our friend Shannon Solomon, and Shannon talks about doing distributed dining within our high school. You know, and we're diving deep into that because, um, as you know, Marlon, my, my daughter, Mary Rose, is headed off to uh, Miami University oh, next year. Oh, man. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> That's a big deal. <laughs> daughter um, going to college. Well, I'm terrified First of all, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, not in Florida. Um, and I refer to it as Miami University. My wife refers to it as the school daddy went to. So <laughs> there's a little bit of play there. Um, but they're immediately saying to these kids, we want you in living learning communities. So she's going to pick where she's going to live based on some interest or what her major is and things like that. And so you turn that around to the conversations we have about high schools and or even at an elementary school level where we talk about neighborhoods now and things like that. Who said that we have to take every kid and run them down to one central point, make sure they eat there and then send them back out? Yeah. Like how much time is lost in that or how much community is lost in that. And so we're looking at how do we make the experience better in those spaces, but we're also looking, and I'll give Shannon a lot of credit for this, to start thinking about distributed dining, like within a high school, she wants to do pop-ups in different areas and things like that. Um, we're seeing that kind of stuff even across school systems that say, hey, we want to enhance the food offerings. Oh no, we don't have any infrastructure here. Okay. So what does it look like? We have more opportunities, whether it's ventless equipment or um, child, the the Gen Z and Gen Alpha behind them, what they're thinking about what their food experience looks like isn't what generations before them look like. But I can promise you, nobody says, hey, we want really, 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 really long tables with the seats attached and ugly looking spaces. And, and can we just ban beige from the whole <laughs> palette of, of doing that area, you know, in general, right? Yeah. Um, but they eat with their eyes like the rest of us. It matters. Yeah. You know, it matters. So what does the process look like? Like, let's say I'm a food service director um, and I'm trying to enhance the dining experience. I'm trying to make a more engaging um, space for my students to come and eat. I want to entice them, like you said. Yep. Um, when I call you, what what, what are you going to do to help me achieve those or exceed my goals? So we, we talk about our design process in, in three uh, centric circles, so to speak. And in the center of it is the human experience. And we don't want to forget that because at the end of the day, that's the piece that matters. So we'll start by context, benchmarking, and trends. So context says, man, we're going to come listen and learn about your community. We were just in my hometown of Pickerington, Ohio, because we're working on a project there. Uh, that was a fun experience. Uh, really cool, actually. So, But we're going to go there first, and we're going to listen, and we're going to learn how are we doing things now, what does that look like? What are your challenges? Um, we're going to look at the benchmark and says, how many children are we feeding? What is the current scenario in terms of how many lunch periods are there? What does that look like? Uh, because some of that's not going away. As we've heard before, the academic day is not getting longer. We want more learning. There's all valid reasons sometimes. So we have to think through how do we make the experience different and sometimes, quite frankly, faster. You know, and we're learning and we know that. We know if you take the cashier away from the very end of the line and put some common cashiers out there that kids are going to choose the shorter line and get there, kind of the toll booth method, as we call it. Mm -hmm. But we're going to look at what, what are ways that move kids through the line? What does self-serve look like versus staff serve? How can we quicken the pace on that? 
tray optional because high school kids are not grabbing a tray anyway. Let's face it. Um, so those are the things we're looking at. So that's the benchmarking people. What are we doing? What's the method of serving? Is it a metered approach? Is it, as I like to say, the uh, school bus shows up at uh, at McDonald's at noon on a Sunday. Okay, here's another 200 kids. Here's another 200. So those are things that we might have some input on. And then last but not least, I've always talked about, when I talked about trends, um, my own built-in focus group, my daughter, her friends, uh, and, and they've been great. Yeah, They're hilarious. You hip. <laughs> my daughter just taught me the gritty this week, man. Oh, what man, can I tell I would, you? I would love to see you do the gritty. <laughs> if you're you could teach me because I don't know. <laughs> you're the only one that would love to see me do the gritty. Trust me on that. Um, but I did get some great comments from her friends like, oh my gosh, is that your dad? Yes, I, it I is. I hope there's some video out there somewhere of this guy. <laughs> so... Um, we listen and learn what does gen z do you know these kids aren't eating three meals a day and it's just here here and here so where we place food how we place food what's the availability is there a mobile order pickup scenario because mm -hmm. if that's not in your schools yet it's coming because it's at other places yeah. but what are the trends look like like where does this generation meet what are we capable of doing and what do we need to do to entice our children to eat healthier and so those are things we look at but man at the end of all of that is right in the middle of that is a human experience. This has to work for our customer and our customers are children. So, you know, when when Mrs. Obama and what was that 2011 said, we're gonna serve healthier school lunches and, and she had the SDA or USDA on board. I agree with all that. Of course we wanna serve healthier school lunches, but our challenge out of that was how do we entice them to eat healthier? Mm -hmm. Cause that whole grain crust that nobody's eating and it's getting thrown away, that's not a win, you know? Yeah. And, and so looking at the servery, with the the dining experience and how does that play together looking at anything from pop-ups to different style venues and we've never had a better opportunity at flexibility than we do today uh whether it's hot food wells that can be cold food wells or solid surfaces that can go cold or hot we can go vertical instead of horizontal i mean there's plenty of ways how quickly can we change out a venue because five years from now that's not necessarily the way kids want to eat. We need to be aware of that and think, okay, how can we do this? What's the better way to do that? So real quick, you know, I have a horrible memory, so I apologize. The three steps that you guys take whenever you're start, whenever you start working with a new um, district, what were they again? Context. Context. Benchmarking. Benchmarking. And trends. And trends. And so, in the center of that is the human experience. So I love how you guys do that because there's been so many times where I see uh, – Sometimes, normally, maybe not even. It's a new director who is going through some sort of renovation, whether it's the behind the serving line or in front of the serving line, and they just don't know how to engage with the district to get the things that they really need. And what are your thoughts on directors not having the voice that I'm assuming we both believe they should have? So when I mentioned going back to my hometown and doing a project there, part of that is introducing the process to them. Like we look at plans all the time, like that's our job. So number one, we've had an opportunity to speak to school nutrition associations. And one of the things we walk them through in, in our presentation is what does the design process look like? Or what does the construction process look like? Who are the players? Oh, it's the SD phase. That means nothing to someone that doesn't do that every day. So understanding what their voice is at every phase of the game is pertinent. Like, okay, here's what we're doing here, you guys. This is what we need to accomplish. Making sure they understand that in our world, they're part of our, part of our design team. Like this is a collaborative effort. They're bringing X amount of experience or knowledge or background 
with them. We're bringing kind of the man from Mars. Hey, we've seen this or have you? I mean, I'm great at looking at other people. Oh, that was awesome. We're going to use that over here. You know, that kind of stuff. We want to share all of that with folks. And so bringing them in early, making sure they understand they have a voice. But then the other side that is, quite frankly, our job is to be an advocate. You know, people... How do, you, how do you add on to a school? Oh, yeah, we're adding three more classrooms over here and a hallway down there. We recently, we're looking at a middle school. They go, by the way, we're adding some students to uh, this high school, and we're going to add on to the serve or not the serving area, but the dining space. I said, really? What about the kitchen and the serving area? Uh, uh, what about it? <laughs> how do you add four or 500 kids to a high school and not think, how are we going to feed those kids? Yeah. You know, how is that an afterthought? Or, hey, we're adding three pre-K classes. Or, Great. How are we feeding those guys? Yeah. It matters. And sometimes, you guys, it's not about, oh, we need more space or anything. Maybe we need equipment adjustments. Maybe we need a different serving style. Maybe we need a kiosk. Maybe there's, man, all the seniors don't want to run down to that end. Can we put kind of a, a not a, just a mobile order pickup, but their own mini station at, at their area? Like, there's different ways to look at things or different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. But ignoring the fact that you added kids and didn't think that would have an impact or we once had a, a middle school principal decided that he wanted to go from three lunch periods to two. We had literally just finished, not the design, but the construction of his renovated area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, the, you know, more kids. Uh, can we add a lot? No, we're landlocked here. And, and we tried to think through things and just go, well, we're giving them more time to eat. That's awesome. Except they all have to wait in line for the food first. So I, it, it's a little frustrating when they bring our friends, the food service director, in late and they bring us in late too sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you know me, I'm not shy. Wait, we will not still- shy? <laughs> <laughs> and I always come back on the kitchen side of this, you guys. Nobody's asking for a dance floor in their kitchen. In fact, we have uh, well, actually I mean, a slide. I, I wouldn't mind a dance floor in my kitchen. You would like one. <laughs> I've seen your birthday post with that coat on, man. You would want a dance <laughs> yeah. floor in your kitchen. That's true. But that being said, we're looking for efficient. People are working back there. Like, put like a... I don't know, a window in the walk-in so it doesn't feel like a teen slasher movie in there and put real lighting in there and white walls and a ceiling so you can see. But we want to think that through. But again, we want to think that through in terms of how do we serve fresh food to our children and make it appealing. Yeah, I just want to say something real quick too. Whenever it was a while ago when I had first met you, shortly after I first met you, I had the opportunity to um, tour a district with you. Shout out to Erin Coleman, Perry Township. Yes, up she's Aaron. awesome. She was actually one of my very first, um, she, she actually helped me get to where I am right now, one of my first customers way back in the day. Very cool. But um, we were walking through her kit, her her kitchen, and it was very clear immediately that you weren't just trying to sell her things or like it was just there was immediate trust because you actually thought things through and you were all about being efficient and you were just trying to like you know yep. in, increase your PO or anything like that like you truly want to help and if there's something that can be repurposed or reused or just moved someplace else you're like hey how about we put it over here because this can increase efficiency this amount and yep. it was really cool to to see that first so one thing that's unique and, and sometimes part of our conversation with our our friends that are food service directors are what role does the food service design consultant play versus I'm a kitchen equipment contractor or a dealer? And, oh, yeah, we also do design as well, is there's a difference. Uh, I was a manufacturer's rep for about 17 years. And literally at the same time, 
So December 1st of 04 is my first day with Rotano Design Group. My daughter was born on December 2nd of 04. Like oh, man. she's the same exact age as our, our business and that's on purpose. I wanted to watch her grow up, yeah. uh, which was completely worth it. Um, but, but that being said, part of this says that I'm not selling equipment. Like what brand it ends up or how much we put in isn't the answer. I got to go from a manufacturer's rep to a client advocate. Like mm. I got to stand next to Aaron or, or Jordan or any of our other friends that, that we mutually know and love and say, man, what's the best answer for you? And, and someone that can help them weed through sometimes, you know, so-and-so who's selling that said we should do this or so-and-so that that's not necessarily, they're not necessarily wrong sometimes, quite frankly, but let's walk through this together. You know, you bring up Aaron and one of the lessons learned when we were going through her design process that I've brought home is 3D matters. Like, so when I was a manufacturer's rep, I had a food service design consultant say to me, you know what the problem is, food service directors can't read a plan. And I'm looking at a 2D plan and I'm thinking, well, that looks like a box on a piece of paper. Of course they can't read a book. That's not what they do for a living. <laughs> yeah. So we've really made it our mission. We're going to show you things in 3D. We're working through VR to make sure that we can walk you through the space. And with Aaron's space, we found, wait a minute, that plumbing chase, if it's there, my manager can't see as clearly into the kitchen as they could if we just put the plumbing chase at the other end of the mm -hmm. table. Like we weren't catching that without walking through that. You know, so it's worth, how often are we redoing a kitchen? How often are we redoing the serving area? A, not often enough, by the way. B, I like to say it's a 30-year decision. I might be understating that a little bit, especially on the backside, on the kitchen side of that. Speaking of how long or, how, or when you guys typically redo a kitchen, do you remember that, uh, I think it was some sort of oven Aaron had in her kitchen that was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like 50 years old or something. Is that thing still there? It could fit in there. I'm just saying you could have fit in there. It, is, uh, it was at least 50 years old and it was one of those old like baked deck ovens that the whole platform went around. Yeah. And it, it looked like a Ferris wheel. It did. They, of course, weren't using it anymore, but it was permanent. And, and yeah, it, it, yeah, 30 years would have been a short lifespan <laughs> for that puppy. No doubt about it. Yeah, no I doubt about it. It was, it was pretty impressive. I've never seen an oven like that ever. It was yeah. like a machine. It's some sort of machine. <laughs> it was a beast. It was an absolute beast. And I'm sure it fit what they were doing at that time. Yeah. It certainly doesn't fit what we're trying to accomplish uh, and feeding our children today. Yeah. So let's talk about children today. So the different generations, what do you yeah. know about them? How do you, how do you feed them? So on. Yep. So, um, part of my research is, is into Gen Z and now Gen Alpha behind them, just in terms of what looks different than what it looked like in previous generations. Uh, things like they, they don't even think of ethnic food anymore. It's just food. Like who thought mm. Korean barbecue would be a thing? Well, they're going to try that. Um, introducing things early, like um, when I hear about and listen to, and we've implemented this in a couple of places, farm to school, some of that's about the opportunity to introduce things that maybe these kids wouldn't eat early on. Hey, I grew this. Oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. And, and, and we've heard pushback that says, well, you know, you can't just take it right out of that space and right into the school kitchen. And there's rules about that. I hear all of that. Number one, we have some ways that you can do the right washing and do that right. Number two is if law or whatever is in your way doesn't mean we can't match harvest time with what we're serving in our kitchen. And so expanding those palates. Uh, but the other thing that really plays into it is they're not going to eat 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner and call it a day kind of thing. They're more, uh, we, we did a focus, this was a college kid, but and I love this statement. I said, so when do you guys eat? And he goes, dude, we eat about, I don't know, one or two meals a day, and then I kind of snack my way through after that. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's my daughter. You know, I mean, that's the generation. Um, that's what happens. And, and that's so... When I think of that from a school food service standpoint, man, having breakfast available and location, location, location matters. So having breakfast available matters. Um, there's never been any research that said if that's the child's second breakfast, that there's any negative effect to that. You know, in yeah. fact, I'm a huge fan of second breakfast. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I was going to say that. I love second breakfast. One time, three weeks in a row or three <laughs> days in a row, I nailed a second breakfast. I was really happy about that. Um, but there's also a sense of community around food. So that breakfast in a classroom at an elementary school level, like here come the kids, they sit down, oh, they're going to spill something. Yeah, they might spill glue too. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but but you're going to get a more engaged kid or, or you're going to get more of a sense of community to start the day. So when they move into middle school and high school, maybe it's we have kiosks in the right spot that they're going to grab something on their way in. These kids are less engaged in my favorite lunch lady was Betty and more engaged in, uh, oh, I've got my phone in one hand and I, you know, at the middle school and high school level, especially at the high school level. So understanding what's important to them, uh, fresh matters, the perception of fresh. So uh, I always say that when we put a, an action station in, there's no way, this isn't the country club. Hey, what do you want in your omelet? And you're willing to wait seven or eight minutes. Would you like something? Nobody's doing that. But at the same time, if they see the proteins that are going into maybe today's Mexican, tomorrow's an Asian bowl scenario, whatever that might be, but they're seeing proteins coming out fresh in front of them or from a, a pizza oven standpoint, we're bringing blanks from the back that have the par-baked crust and it's got the sauce and the cheese, but we're finishing and maybe even cutting in front of the kids. Like, what can we do to bring the perception of fresh to them? And then packaging and branding matter. Um, we... One of the early uh, adopters here was Lindsay Hill and putting her own uh, to-go packaging together with her own label and, her, and, and logo and whatnot. And recently, again, I, I was recently in Aurora, so I get to say Shannon again, but Shannon Solomon with her A-Town brand and play the brand up. These kids are brand oriented, so that matters that they think there's a brand behind this because there is. Um, but that perception of fresh, I would also tell you that, um, what is it, customizable. In other words, if we're doing a deli line, I'm not sure we can pull off the, the subway all the time. Okay, what do you want? What do you want? 80% of our kids want either ham or, or, or turkey. I mean, you know what the basics are, but give them the opportunity to put the right condiments on there. Like, what does that look like? And now we can do that vertically and horizontally with, with hot and cold and, and different options. So customizable matters. And the other term we use a lot, you guys, is control of the tray. And go all the way back to our elementary school kids. Man, if they get to take something and put it on their plate themselves, they're more apt to eat that than if you put it on their plate. Like they chose to put that on their plate. And even if you're putting out fruits and vegetables, choice architecture is what we call it. Like put a bunch of stuff out there. Don't put, oh, here's all the peaches and here's all the strawberries. Like mix them up. Because then your brain's saying, hmm, which one of those do I want? Not do I want something, it's what do I want? And so those are some of the lessons we're learning um, we're paying attention, um, even things like the lunchroom becoming a classroom, like where does education play into this? Whether that is, uh, I'm not anti-dairy association. I am anti-got milk poster. Like we can do better than that, but what does our signage talk about in terms of educational? What are we saying and learning about the nutritional value of that food? Cause these kids 
care more about that than they have in the past? Uh, how do we get that message across? Um, do we open up after school for a, a cooking class in an adjacent space? You know, culinary, by the way, you guys, and this isn't just school food service, but man, culinary, the Food Network meeting home ec is blowing up across the country. Uh, that's my son's favorite class in middle school right it, now. In middle school. Middle school. In middle school. Yeah. And that's the thing, like the old home ec where I just want little Johnny not to be able to like not be able to eat when he gets out of school or even can he sew anything like that might be a start but that's starting earlier by the time we get to high schools and even vocational schools we used to call them now at CTE um, career technical education the culinary lab might be next to the aeronautics lab like so there's a lot going on but kids are looking at different paths from an educational standpoint and, and food's part of that you know so it, at an elementary school level, we've done this a couple of times where there's a small, almost a demo kitchen feel to it. Like kids are learning basics, like your knife skills and things like that. We're not putting them in the commercial kitchen. Like that ain't happening. But it's adjacent to that, and they're starting to get a more well-rounded view of food. And then extended hours. That would be my last one is, is we asked a focus group of high school kids, so how late are you all here? And one little girl goes, well, sometimes we're here till 9 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock. I was like, what? Well, Doing if what? we have a musical or oh. show choir or something like that, then they're going to be there late. But at the very least, they are there after hours. Like every day, they're there till 6 o'clock at night. Do we have food available? You know, the, the last captive audience left is prisons. If you want to serve peas out of a 60-gallon kettle... You might get away. You might get away with it there, <laughs> but you're not going to get away with that in our schools. Definitely not. You know, not going to happen. But we have a convenience audience. Man, if we're serving a good chicken sandwich or we're serving um, a good coffee product, quite frankly, in the extended hours or, or things along those lines, our kids will stay. Yeah. You know. So, what are some of the districts out there you see doing a really cool job, a really good job? On a um, on a national level, obviously, and, and it gets plenty of publicity for the right reasons joe urban in greenville does an amazing job and, and rightfully so he's helping raise the voice if you will on mm -hmm. that and and we really really appreciate seeing that and doing that excuse me shannon solomon with her background is what i really appreciate about what she's bringing so she comes from a quick service restaurant background and, and some non-traditional thinking uh, there's some food trucks in place and there's pickup windows and and all kinds of fun stuff. Like people are beginning to, and I know this is an overused phrase, y'all. I'm sorry. But that oh, out-of-the-box kind of scenarios. Um, and that's Shannon at Aurora County, right? Yes. Or Aurora Public yep. Schools. So. Absolutely. Uh, our mutual friend Jordan Ryan in Brownsburg outside Indianapolis, one of the things I absolutely love about what she's done is we put a servery in there that is is hands down absolutely beautiful. She helped, not helped, she took control of down to the, what are the colors look like in here? What are we doing? How are we promoting the serving of food? But there's no gate coming down. It's not behind a wall like, oh my gosh, are they going to steal us, break into our kitchen? We can lock off the kitchen. The server's in a very public spot. There are more cameras than you know what to do with. Um, why not show off what a cool school you have? What I love about that and what we're doing next, quite frankly, right now, the design just finished with Jordan is, so they have enough students in their high school and again this goes back to those living learning communities or how do we, her high school or her seniors have the senior academy those kids are like uh we don't get the same food that the rest of the kids go. jordan's like it's the same kitchen um but we are now upgrading their senior academy because those kids are almost quote unquote jealous of what was going on in the main cafeteria in the main serving space uh their senior academy is going to look like a uh, a food hall 
at the end of the day. That's awesome. And the other big trend in the middle of that that we're seeing is marketplaces. Like if I talk to you about extended hours, we're not opening everything up for extended hours, but how do we make food convenient at non-traditional times? Cashierless systems, you know, the Amazon Go kind of thing. It's here on a college level, and it's coming at a high school level next. So you mentioned Jordan, and I have to ask, yeah. because I know Jordan doesn't use trays. She has plates. So she's actually washing dishes, like washing plates. Yep. What was that? How, how did you make that work with Jordan in her district? Because whenever I mentioned that to other directors, they're like, oh, my gosh, we don't like we can't wash dishes like it's not possible. Right. How do you make that possible? Um. You know, it's funny. My dad had a saying that said, figures don't lie, but liars figure. And people can tell the story any way they want. Um, but when you go to reusable, whether that's melamine plates, which don't look as ugly as they once looked, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. they're in more colors than beige or, or bad looking green. I wouldn't say orange, man. I love orange. You know that, Mark. <laughs> um, so number one, it's more appealing. So participation goes up. Number two, it's a matter of uh, I always like to say there's zero chance that our kids are going from way back at the back of the dining space and bringing things back up to a window to drop off their stuff. That's not happening. Um, and, and so making sure what does, we used to call it tray drop-off, but what does where's drop-off look like? And how do we, you, quite frankly, if you do it right, you end up having a metered approach to what comes through your dish room. But the cost savings I think, and I was reading recently, uh, Lauren Charbonneau, one of our project leaders, doing some great research in this area, but maybe up to about 25% cost savings wow. if you went to reusable versus, and reusable has a lot of different vibe to it, but reusable versus just disposable. Um, so th there's, again, figures don't lie, but liars. There's different ways to spin that, but I think it, it, at the end of the day, I'd want to land on the experience. And the experience says, do you, do you want to eat off a of styrofoam? You, you know, no, no nobody. I, I feel like high schoolers now want that restaurant experience. Now I'll say this, even some of it, and Jordan's on the front edge of this, and I love this, like serving pizza on a piece of wax paper, not on a paper plate, not on anything, just on logoed wax paper. What I appreciate about that is no matter what, like we say tray optional, we got a lot of kids that will never have a tray. Like, oh, no, they're, they're, oh, I've got these eight things in my arms. I'm good. Thank you. Are you sure? That's like me. But the two, yes, but the two fastest growing categories in food are beverages and handheld. That's because you can keep your phone in your other hand, apparently, for that TikTok video coming down. But um, those are the kind of things that we're thinking about with them now. So tray optional says less kids are taking trays. What's that do to your wear washing? You know, and those are things we look at. But that doesn't mean I run into the disposable world for trays. It may mean I'm serving off a of wax paper or uh, packaging. Man, I we see reusable at the higher ed level now. It's coming next to yeah. to our high schoolers. So real quick, talk to me about the importance it was or the importance of actually letting the student watch you prepare their meal. Because you set I, me up so well today. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Because uh, I remember walking through Jordan's space, and you can see all the action happening behind yep. the serving line, and it's enticing. And that's now you're talking about my key phrase, enticing children to eat healthier. Um, I can tell you there's two ways to look at that. We're big fans of an open kitchen. You want to control the view into your kitchen. I still have seared in the back of my mind years ago when a KFC decided they were going to do an open kitchen. Okay, an open kitchen is not a doorway where I can see you changing out the fryer. Like, that's yeah. not a win. Yeah, we don't uh, want to watch that. No, <laughs> but understanding that, that 
I see what's going on, maybe from the waist up. Uh, it's like a really good restaurant. You're watching the action going on, not to mention uh, the connection between the staff and the students still matters. It might not look the same as it looked 20 years ago, but there's a satisfaction piece knowing those kids are excited about what they're eating. And the more you, even your back of the house staff gets to see that is great. Even more important than the open kitchen is more the back of the house is moving to the front of the house. Mm. Why can't we prep those deli sandwiches right in front of the kids? Why can't we um, have an action station getting the proteins ready for the next lunch period? Why can't we be finishing off the pizzas right here in the front? Yeah, and, and I feel like whenever you have an open kitchen like that, it's once again controlling and telling your story, not letting someone else tell it. Because if the yes. kids can see you watch, or if they could watch you making this high-quality meal, yep. they're going to probably post about it, talk about it, and now you're educating your audience perception and your customers. Perception of fresh, perception of fresh, perception of fresh. Kids eat with their eyes. Presentation matters. Yep. I would love to see more high school kids post about their lunch. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm like just a saying, double-edged sword. There's a factor there playing in it. They don't think it's cool yet. We'll see yeah. what we can do. We're working on them. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually did see students from Jordan's school posting about the new renovation. Nice. And it it happened back in the day whenever whenever they released. When was that? Was that two years ago? Well, it opened right before the pandemic. Yeah. And and so she rolled through 2020. You know, and Jordan had the numbers on that. They saw a 31% spike in participation. Yeah. Because we did two middle schools and elementary school in Kokomo, Indiana, like which is a blue-collar town. It used to be a GM town. And we watched their participation go up. And this is pre all of this is pre-pandemic, 20 to 25%. And they were serving the same food. And the principal was giving a tour, and he was saying to these people, oh, yeah, we changed the food, and we changed the atmosphere, the venue. And the food service director standing behind him, he's going, didn't change food, didn't change food. <laughs> we didn't. We might have prepared it differently. We were definitely presenting it differently. Um, and that all mattered. But to the kids, brand new venue, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And if participation is increasing that much, I have to assume that your client advocate cost is covered. Just in increased participation. <laughs> and that's, yes, that's, that's the, we will pay for ourselves based on, um, what we can do. And if we're not paying for ourselves, then you don't need to hire us. That's for sure. But yeah. um, having another, having somebody on the side that is listening, I won't say understands food service at the level that our, our food service directors do in their teams, by the way, the people working in the kitchens, mm -hmm. but we're smart enough to be paying attention and listening and translating that uh, into the design and into the conversations. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, they didn't have any money in the budget, the construction budget for this high school renovation that we're also doing a middle school in the same area, at least we've started the conversation. Wait a minute, you guys, we have to do something. And here's some suggestions that we think we can do, but doing nothing is going to get ugly when you open up for four or 500 more kids and you mm -hmm. haven't accommodated anything from a serving standpoint of doing something different. Well, one thing you guys do understand very well is equipment, architecture, like the design piece, all that other stuff that a food service director might not get. Yep. And I love the fact that I've heard you say it before, but you don't you don't play favorites when it comes to brands solutions or, or brands or anything like that. Like you're going to pick the best thing for that director that meets their budget. And that's, that's, that's what I love. Meets their budget, meets their operational needs, thinks through the flexibility of what we're trying to do. Maybe down the road that we haven't even looked at yet. Mm -hmm. um, we're paying attention, you know, yeah. what kind of service they're going to get from whoever the rep is in that area. That matters too. Um, no, thank you. That that's again, 
the favorite part of my job is that we literally get to stand next to our food service director friends and, and quite frankly, also our design partners. There's some really quality architects that want to do great work in the K-12 space. And we've had the pleasure of working with a significant number of them and have a blast. Like they want what we want. They're not like, oh yeah, we're going to put the kitchen over there in the corner and keep moving. No, it, it you know, in a hospital, it used to be if you needed to go to the cafeteria, oh, where's the cafeteria? Well, it's downstairs and it's back there. And it's, you know what I mean? It was in the basement somewhere, right? And bring a flashlight. Hospitality like no matters. <laughs> hospitality, hospitality, hospitality. They're bringing it to the forefront. We're seeing not just cafeterias anymore, but common spaces. Like six kids together in a common area is not a gang. You know, that's mm -hmm. six kids that the science teacher sent down to collaborate on a science project, because by the way, we're asking them to do those sorts of things in the work world. Like that's part of the deal. So why not collect spaces? You know, I said the lunchroom as a classroom, even wider is why would you only use that portion of your school for two or three hours and then go, no one else is in here because the custodians need to fold those tables up and get them out of the way. First of all, the kids aren't making that. They will rise to the occasion to a better atmosphere every single time every single time, but make it somewhere they want to be. Maybe they're rolling down there, they're studying, and oh, by the way, they went over to the cafe that's still open and either had a smoothie or a water drink or might have had a cup of coffee, you know, something that makes this feel like hospitality. Mm -hmm. So in closing, yeah, you are a dreamer as I'm a dreamer, <laughs> right? Yes, sir. So if you could have anything within the next five years in the realm of school food service, or any change or anything, what would that be? I'll start with acknowledgement of what role food plays in the facility. Like that it is part of the curriculum, for lack of a better term, that, that an understanding that not just fueling our kids now, but healthy habits start early. And, and making that part of what we're trying to train up our children to understand better in a world where one in six kids is food insecure, and by the way, Obesity is at the top of the charts in the world is in the United States amongst children mm -hmm. and eating disorders are on a rise and anxiety is on a rise. All that, food plays a role in that. So let's not just go, oh yeah, we're redoing this, it's gonna be the coolest school ever and uh, we're doing school lunch the same way we did in 40, 1946 when the National School Lunch Program came in. So acknowledgement, let's make it part of the conversation early. Early. I love it. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being here on the podcast with us. I think we should get together and help more people get acknowledged, right? Amen. Let's, do it. Let's start a new campaign. <laughs> uh, I am in. I am in for sure. Thank you, Marlon. I really appreciate what you do for our community in general, man. Thank hey, you. Anytime. I, I love it. And I love the people just like you do. And Amen. it's really, it's not work if you love it, right? There are people with some very, very big hearts taking care of our kids and wanting to do the right thing. If we can support them in any way, that's our job. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Marlon. Produced by NextGen Network.